The information presented in this podcast is not intended for the treatment or prevention of disease or any medical condition, nor is a substitute for medical advice. The information contained here in this podcast reflects only the opinion of the author and presenter and is in no way considered required practice. Welcome to Motivation and Muscle, the podcast that connects your brain to your brawn. Motivation and Muscle, streaming radio 24-7. Today, believe it or not, we're getting in the middle of January 2018. Today is the 13th of January. Um, go out, well, we'll do what we usually do. Uh, stand up, take a deep breath through your nose, out through your mouth, and repeat, I am a winner, I am a champion. We are tackling many, many things here. Um, especially now with the Winners and Champions Inc. product all done, able to go out and buy it through PayPal and get the digital product right to your uh, PC, so to speak. I was going to say to your front door, but that wouldn't be the way it is anymore. Um, go out and look at that. It all goes into our page with which called Prosperity Consciousness. We believe a lot of stuff that we do talk about is a form of lack And lack will not draw you the things and the people you want into your life. And I am doing more and more about that. I'm going to have a product out about that. And right now, we're working on Etched in Stone for Men. Uh, It's out there, but there's a brand new version of it out there. And all the people we have on board working with us on this product. I will not put out what it is because um, it would be something you'd have to come in with me and do. Whether you live in the Albany area or when you purchase it, I will give you all the video and the guidance to get this done. And obviously, I will work with you on anything. And that's what's very important. So there's a lot of stuff coming out. But go out to FiorellaBarbellCo.com. Look at Winners and Champions, Inc. That's my attitude with everything now. It's always been, but now it's coming into everything we do. And go out and look at our Prosperity Conscious page, and you'll see what we're talking about with giving and receiving because you have to, you know, you can't be afraid to receive. You're not going to ever get anywhere when everything is just all about giving. So look at those two uh, uh, products or or pages on FBC. Also, go out to motivationandmuscle.com slash category slash podcast. we got our good friend Bill Crawford coming in momentarily. Look at all the shows Bill and I have done. I didn't count them, but I was going through a bunch of them today. You want to talk about an encyclopedia of knowledge out there. This is what I'm saying. You know, people write books and have chapter after chapter. You've got over 870 podcasts out there. That's an encyclopedia. I mean, it is huge, the material out there. And it's not just training. It's all the mental aspects. It's all the things spiritually you should become. And we are getting into this bigger and bigger. You should go out and look at Etched in Stone for kids. There's quite a bit of new stuff out there today. This whole revolution here is exploding. And it's with very little fanfare all over the world yet because we haven't gotten everywhere. Though I will say Eminem now is out in Italy now. I got notification of that the other day. We are slowly but surely grabbing everything we can, and I'm very proud of it. Also, too, go out to MotivationMuscle.com, sign up for our free newsletter. Um, you can get that 
I have been kind of lax in doing that because of all the other things going on, but I intend on getting on that, I hope, this week. Um, it all depends what else is happening right now, but we will get to it. And, you know, I was looking, I was going to read some stuff about our good friend Steve Jack, maybe at the end, but I was looking in this issue of January 1994, Volume 1, Number 4. you got to go out, if you have it, go out to page 20 and look at Serge Redding doing polls. My God, man, that guy was on, the, the size of him was unbelievable. What a lifter. Um, let me, uh, I'm going to give you a little information on Bill. I, my mind is going like a million ways today because, uh, you know, you see stuff like that. You're like, holy cow. You know, you can never get enough of these guys that just have trained. And we were talking about this the other day about conditions. You know, you don't, you're not in a, in an area where you're being rubbed down like a racehorse and you're not be, being told at every turn how great you are. And if something happens, a tweak or whatever, you're getting this, that, and the other thing. Now, I obviously understand how sports is today, but when we bring Bill in, Bill can attest to this, myself, we train in these freezing cold garages, all right? And, you know, it's nice to have compliments. I'm one who will always give it when I see it. But it creates, I think, a whole different lifter in you when you're not being told at every turn, that, hey, you're great, or as we say, and I think Bill might have said this, or I read it, and I've said it too, you know, you're outside, it's freezing, there's no fanfare, maybe a squirrel uh, flies by, or a bird when you're there, maybe they look at you, maybe they don't, who even knows, but you're out there doing what you need to do, and I think it just makes for a better individual all the way around. With that in mind, uh, Bill obviously is a medical doctor, a strong man, Highland Games competitor. He's a stone lifter, writer, and speaker. And, you know, go out, obviously, in Milo. Uh, Bill writes articles uh, every time Milo comes out, and he's been with Milo for years. So no further ado, welcome back, Bill. It's always an honor to have you here, sir. Good morning, Eric. Great to be back. Thank you. You are welcome. Anything I missed, anything you got coming up, lay it out. And we're going to get on a subject today. But it's going to be a little bit different than what you usually see in the muscle rag magazines. And we're going to really talk about, among other things, I'm sure, the, how valuable that little muscle called the bicep is in your life. So take it away, Bill. Uh, so yeah, we we're uh, in a, you know, we we're talking uh, before we started here about uh, the biceps. And I, I think that, uh, you know, we talk about muscle rags, you know, the, the bicep blasting. <laughs> exercises that you see and you know uh and everybody wants to be arnold a 1972 and um and that's that you know that launched a lot of people uh for the lift i mean uh um you know i can't tell you how many guys i know that got their inspiration from the education of a bodybuilder from arnold and all the pictures in it um but what they don't also tell you is that arnold also was quite strong and did a lot of heavy lifting mm-hmm. um so uh people do get this idea of you know what a, a strong person looks like they think of the biceps you know manford herbals with 26 inch biceps and, yep you know or magnus samuelson and you know had really huge arms and and those kinds of fellas i do remember um the i remember uh going to a nationals and my coach chad king said when you get there this will make you feel better look out in the audience 
and this is for Olympic lifting. He said, yeah. look out in the audience, and all the guys with big arms are sitting in the audience watching you. <laughs> yep. Uh, I said, you know what? That's true. Uh, so biceps are, uh, they're the, you know, they're, they're the weak link, and particularly in the upper body. Uh, they're essential. Uh, the only thing that the bicep actually is made to do is actually to pronate and supinate the hand. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you were to hold your hand, if you bend your arm, uh, at a, at a uh, uh, basically to uh, uh, 90 degrees um, and uh, uh, just turn your hand over and and back over, palm up, palm down. That's the only thing the bicep's made to do. Yep. So it's not actually, it's not actually the, the big, you know, big motor uh, of uh, power that people think that it is. It's actually just to stabilize the arm. Most of the, you know, when you pull something, like when you lift a big stone. Right. You know, the initiation is uh, when you get it up to your lap and you're and you're trying to stand up to it. It'll stabilize the arm, help turn the hand in the proper position, and it does get bigger and stronger because you're putting such extreme forces on it. But really, it's it's your hand strength pulling back on the stone, and then your traps and your lats and your and your lower and your lumbars and your glutes and hamstrings, all the other really super large muscles. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Can you bend over a row more than you can uh, than you can uh, do on a biceps curl? You know, I'd, I'd, I'd say if the answer is no, if you can curl more than you can bend <laughs> over a row, then you've got a serious problem. Yeah. But even for, even for the uninitiated, they can bend over a row more than they can biceps curl. So that just emphasizes the the fact that that muscle is you know it's a small kind of weak link in the whole system. But that means you've got to you've got to be mindful of that and protect it. Mm-hmm. Because you and I both know having bicep tears and doing the things, the stuff can happen. And once that bicep tears, you're out of the game, folks. It doesn't matter how strong you are, what you deadlift, what you row, et cetera, et cetera. Because it, it's small and, and most people, like you said, you know, with Arnold and all that, everybody wants to have these big biceps. I think they look great. I'd rather have a tricep, though, that's the length of your street. You know, I'm serious. I mean, nothing looks better than that whole flow of your rear delt and your tricep flowing into one another like that. But why don't you, you know what's the interesting to, thing too, Bill, is we talked about this before we came on, especially the way people make the mistakes of lifting correctly and how they put the bicep in a in a very precarious position that most people don't think about. I mean... If we've never done stone lifting or we've never got into the weight training enough, or even if we have, we can make these mistakes that will cost us because we see this every day with these tears. So tell everybody out there, what what situations, how should we lift things? I know with the arms and all that, but tell everybody that crucial mistake they make with arms bent. Well, the, for starters, the, the bicep uh, tendon, uh, the biceps itself is anchored in two positions. One is, is what we call proximal. And that's up at the shoulder. So a lot of times people have shoulder problems, particularly older lifters. They say my shoulder hurts. Many times that's actually a proximal bicep tear or or uh, or um, encasement with scar tissue. Mm-hmm. But then there's the, what we're talking about in particular is the distal biceps, the one down near the elbow. And that's yep. the that's the that's the bicep tendon that attaches uh, to the uh, uh, that attaches the bicep uh, down to the to the radius. Um, which is the long bone of the forearm, and uh, so and people have different anatomies. Let's start with that. Mm-hmm. Some people have short little biceps, and some people have long biceps. P- 
people with long biceps tend to not have as much problems with bicep tears typically. And I've got long biceps. I, right. I enjoy that, that luxury. That means that, you know how when you make a muscle, does, it, does the muscle belly go all the way down to the elbow or is it kind of not up further up towards the shoulder? But I think people that have those long, big biceps then have these big biceps that they that they depend on too much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, uh, um, and, you know, very graphically, Magnus Samuelson tore his biceps in a, um, uh, in a competition. And, and, uh, um, and, you know, I've got a DVD about Magnus's arms. I mean, the guy's standing there doing two-arm barbell, straight, straight uh, uh, barbell curls with uh, 315 pounds for, for reps. I mean... I mean, he was world's strongest man and, yeah. and fantastic stone lifter. I'm, I'm saying what I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving Magnus kudos. He was a great arm, uh, arm wrestler. I'm saying that this guy's arms are, you know, um, I'll just say it. Uh, close the number four gripper. His yeah. hands and arms are superhuman. Yep. He's in a, he's in a league of his own. But even he had a bicep tear. Yeah. You know, so you got to think about that. So the, uh, I'll just, I'll just use my example. So um, the year before, I went to lift the Denny Stones. Unfortunately, uh, my left hand, you know, you straddle the stones, you put the big one in the front and the, and the small one in the back. And I, mm-hmm. I'd i been lifting them side to side, and I went to Scotland and met some guys. And uh, the second time I lifted them, and uh, they showed me how to actually straddle the stones. And Because uh, the first time I lifted them, I just reached down like a pair of suitcases and picked yeah, them up. Yeah, picked them up, yep. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that, was, uh, that was harder than it should have been. And um, so my left hand, actually, I, I allowed it to rotate where my palm was completely facing away from me. Mm-hmm. And that put the bicep in a very terrible spot. So after I lifted, and it was the small, the smaller of the two stones, the 321-pound uh, stone or 319-pound stone. And uh, and so that my bicep tendon got a little tweaked. And all winter, I knew something was wrong, you know. And then you and I went to Iceland. I had a whole big group in 2008. Yep. And um, – um, we were at the Drip Fix Stones. We'd been, we'd flown all night. We got right in our SUVs. We were so excited. We get out to Drip Fix. You know, we'd all been awake for thirty hours or something. Yeah, easily. Um, and the largest of the Drip Fix Stones is the is that three hundred and sixty pound uh, big pancake looking thing. And just to describe it, just imagine a a stone that's about probably maybe nine inches thick mm-hmm. and about close to, to probably thirty inches wide. And almost a, in, in, in an oval shape that is that is very very slick. Does that is that that's a very smooth stone? Would you agree with that? Oh, without a doubt, without it's a doubt. The, it's one of the smoothest stones you could ever possibly put your hand on. Yep. And uh, so and it was raining. Yeah. So so I'd already lifted the stone and I put it down and I put my uh, and I put my uh, sweatshirt back on and one of the guys in the group said, "Hey, I didn't get a picture of lifting it. Can you just break it off the ground?" <laughs> So I reached down and I wasn't warmed up or anything with the smaller stones. And I thought, I'll just pick it back up. I already lifted it. But I, I made the fatal mistake of bending my arm a little bit. Mm-hmm. I guess I was tired and excited. And, you know, and I, I pulled on it. And the film, and you you know this, the film would sound like a piece of Velcro. Yep. Tearing. And it wasn't a complete tear. It was a partial tear. I think I aggravated it a little bit more. So I set the stage. So uh, I just took anti-inflammatories the rest of the trip. Like we had, you know, we lifted all these stones for what five days five days yeah i mean we listed stone after stone after stone including the lots of stones the brunoff stock the judas stein um and then we get to husafel <laughs> oh yeah and the peter stein too we get yeah. to husafel peter stein yep. 
Yeah, get to Husafel, and uh, I'm just about all the way around again with the stone, and just my left arm just went flaccid. It just felt like I got shot. Just yep. boom. Boom. Tore yep. my bicep right off. And so I finished the job. And, um, you know, it was just a series of mistakes. It wasn't – but I made <coughs> two technical mistakes as I let my, my left hand over-rotate lifting the Denny Stones. And so if you're a Denny Stone enthusiast, never let your hand go more than – 45 degrees always mm-hmm. have your thumb have your thumb at least at least facing forward never let your hand turn completely around and that's very that's a very uh uh tempting thing to do some kind of thinner long arm guys like jack shanks or stevie shanks can get away with that but mm-hmm. for a guy who's lifted a lot of natural stones and put a lot of stress on his biceps and, and caber tossing you know yeah which definitely. is funny you know what the caber toss is in highland games you basically sure. pick up a log and you run with it and you toss it, a 120-pound, 130-pound log, you know, a, a tree, a caber, 17, 18, 19, 20 feet long, yep. and you toss it. I have never, knock on wood, never seen anyone tear a bicep doing caber toss. And I've been around the world and seen hundreds of games, thousands of tosses, never seen anybody tear their bicep on that. I've seen guys who have big muscles tear their bicep on the weight of a bar. Yep. 56-pound weight, weight over bar. Also tossing it for distance because they, they cock their arm just a little bit, and they get that little extension. Pop. I've also seen guys do it with a sheath toss. Mm-hmm. I've seen guys do it on deadlifts. Uh, there's a famous uh, a famous lift uh, back in the 80s where a guy at the, at the Senior Nationals had a winning uh, deadlift, uh, but blew, blew his bicep. And uh, hung on to it somehow. I actually saw that. Wow. That was the first, that was the first bicep tear I ever saw. Mm. But, you know, uh, these things happen because of, uh, many times because of just, you know, technical errors. Like you make a mistake, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's, that's sort of the, now as far as lifting, when you lift, uh, if you lift a, if you lift a stone or a barbell, you want your arms straight. I mean, you were talking about lifting Atlas stones before the right. uh, before it got started. You want to keep your arms really straight and not bend your arms. Because I see guys, especially when they start, their hands aren't strong enough, so they'll 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 crook their arms and try to cradle it like a baby. Yeah. Yep. And then and then yank on it. And that, I'm I'm going, dude, you are going to hurt your bicep. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that's the bicep killer. Yep. Uh, and that's exactly what happens. Hey, so, and, or even on a deadlift, you cannot yank a deadlift. No, your, your tiny little biceps are. It's like it's like uh, it's, the way I, could, I told one guy. I said, "Okay, if two bull elephants were fighting, what? And you were in the middle, what would happen to you?" And he's like, "I'd get crushed, obviously." So the bull elephants are your hip and back structure and yep. your legs, yep, which are the largest, most powerful muscles in your body. And this heavy weight, a stone or a barbell or whatever implement, and then there's your little biceps in the middle just trying to survive. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And you make a mistake, the little guy gets crushed in the elephant fight. You know, that's what I tell people. Well, no, you're right because here's the deal. I mean, basically, it's almost like your bicep is directing traffic when you're doing when you're getting ready to pull this lift. But you know, yeah. Bill, Bill, you and I both know this, and this happens in a lot of. It's not just stones. People got the wrong idea. They think that everything they're doing, especially let's say a pulling of an atlas stone or a husafel, they think it's the biceps that are driving. That's where all the strength is coming from. The pull of the stone. It's coming from your traps. 
your rhomboids, down through your buttocks, your hip girdle, and all the way down. That's where your power is generating from. Those poor little biceps that are so vitally important, like I said, they're there to direct traffic and do their part. And, and I want you to comment on that because I think we even see with a lot of established lifters, whether it's the moment or you're jet-lagged or you're tired or maybe maybe you've picked up some bad habits just comment on that. Why, why do you think a lot of people feel the bicep is basically w- what's going to lift something? Go ahead. Well, but just look at a look at a guy when he walks up. If he's wearing a tank shirt or a shirt, yep. You know the upper chest muscles and uh, the the bicep muscles stand out. Yeah. And and that's what people look at. You can have toothpicks for legs. <laughs> um, yeah. I can tell you that I can tell you that I've noticed a, a change in what people see as being anatomically uh, um, appealing. Today, the, the trapezius or the traps are the new biceps. People yeah. like huge traps and necks, yep. which is, to me is great. I mean, that's a that's a seismic shift. But when people walk up, they see their biceps, you know, they see someone with biceps and they think, wow, this guy's done a lot of bicep training. I actually, some of the guys with the strongest arms I've ever seen do very little, if any. Yeah. I do a little bit of bicep training when I was, you know, I'll just take a pair of dumbbells and do what are called Magnus or Magnuson curls. So you turn your hands, you basically take a dumbbell instead of doing a hammer curl where the bar, where the dumbbell is going directly in front of you, um, basically uh, 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 perpendicular to your body. You bring the dumbbell close to your to your chest. Yep. Just like you're mimicking a, uh, a stone lift, and you just basically what I tell I say you're like you're trying to touch your chin with the end of the dumbbell. Um, with with your hand with your hand uh, uh, facing your body, mm-hmm. and you just alternate those, and those are good because they they do strengthen your biceps some, and it's okay to do bicep work. I think ad nauseum bicep work though makes it fatigues those bicep tendons, and uh, some some bicep work can help. But people just get totally enraptured with the you know walking up with a big huge set of you know guns. The guns yeah. are out, the sun's out, and all that stuff. <laughs> but I can tell you that um, when you see truly powerful people you're looking at a, you know they turn around and you see a pair of traps oh yeah and lumbars you're like all right so yeah. have you ever seen vasily alexander's uh, out uh, uh, back uh, yeah go to youtube and yep. look at him at the olympics in 76 he looks like a big fat guy from the front yep with this massive belly yep and then when he turns around and walks away he's got a pretty narrow waist actually and his traps in his back he looks like an unbelievable athlete yeah that's what you don't see, you know. He's got this, you know, he's got this unbelievable uh, structure. But that's why people are totally in love with that. But when I'm when I'm carry, when I when I was carrying uh, really heavy stones um, a lot, uh, the thing that really stood out was that my tricep uh, tendons would develop very thickly. They mm-hmm. would actually stand out like ropes. Yep. And my pressing power got became unbelievable. I got stronger all over. That's the point. You get you actually get stronger all over. Isolation exercise is completely ridiculous. Yep. You don't you know isolation exercise. I mean, if you're trying to peak, you know, your bodybuilding exercises and that sort of thing, I get that. But uh, for someone who's training as an athlete, isolation exercises are uh, really not what you're talking about. Just like you know the core. Uh, I've never seen the core mentioned in a, in a uh, I'm getting off track a little bit, but I'm trying to explain a larger concept. Yeah. I've never seen the core explained in an anatomy book. And the Russians <laughs> never wrote about it. I get it. People can, it helps people conceptualize what you're talking about in the core, but it, are the lumbars part of your core? 
are your last part of your core. I think what you're talking about when you say core is you're really talking about more total body exercise. Yeah. That's really what you're talking about. You're activating, and there's deep muscles inside the body that no one even pays attention to, like the the psoas muscles and the piriformis and another, a lot of other muscles. But So as far as why people are so enraptured with the biceps, that's just visually what you actually see. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this. When I had my bicep repaired, the orthopedist who did the surgery said that that it was that I had the largest bicep tendon he'd ever seen. It was a, it was a complete centimeter in width. Wow! Um, so which is uh, uh, which? Um, uh, I'm sorry. It was he said that, that he said that the whole attachment down to the bone was probably close to a centimeter. He said probably a half centimeter was the closest he'd, closest he'd ever seen. Uh, um, you know, I'm sorry about probably about. A, I'm sorry. I, I checked that uh, about ten about ten millimeters. Yep, my bicep tendon. He said the next largest was about five or six millimeters in a four hundred pound trucker. So <laughs> yeah. he said yeah. he said so your 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 tendon your tendon was very, very thick and well developed. Um but uh so what do I look at when I when I'm assessing someone? Like if they're gonna be strong. Mm-hmm. Uh this is exactly what I look at. And I think George Jowett said the same uh, talked about the same thing. Magnus from Magnuson's mentioned the same thing. The first thing I look at someone's wrist. Yep. Do they have thick wrists? Because that says something about their bone structure. And then I look at their knees. And then I look at their traps. <laughs> and that kind of that kind of says those are sort of the you know the the triangle that that allows your body to be your body structure to be supported. Yep. I've seen guys with pretty thin waists and, and hips that are actually that have thick wrists and uh, and fairly thick knees and. They're super strong. Yeah. Uh, one one person that comes to mind is Mike Zolkowitz. He's actually got you know abs and a pretty thin waist, and he's this been this world class uh, Highland Games guy for a long time. And up close, the guy looks like Superman. Yep. But he's got super huge wrists, big traps, and and big knees. Yep. And but he's got a fairly thin waist, so it's um, that's what I really look at. But most people, especially the uninitiated. They see the biceps, and guys that are initiated still want to have big biceps so they can impress people. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to be a big bad dude. I used to have an old T-shirt that said, "You know, yay though I walk through the valley, the shadow of the valley of death, I'm the meanest." You know, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Everybody's yeah. seen that one. I mean, I I would never wear that shirt today, and I would take it off my son's back. But someone had given someone had given me that shirt. But that's what people want. They want that perception, which I think. Uh, I think what you have to do is you have to you have to want to be strong more than look strong. <laughs> yep. Yeah, without a doubt, because everything's going to follow your thought. But you know what else I wanted? You know, we, we talked about this when you're on a few weeks ago. You know, Norm Shemansky, and you know the the famous thing that people would ask him that was always tied to him. Well, how do I get my press bigger? And he would say press, and they'd look at him like, what? You know, wh- where's the secret? And there is no secret. And you made, you made, uh, uh, this is where I'm going to lead right into what you were just talking about. With not, and I'm not going to get on the whole thing with the tear that you did that. I did it. It's done now, but you learn from it so much. And when the orthopedic gentleman is talking to you and telling you, you know, your tendons are much thicker than even the 400 pound truck driver and those people, let's face it, there's some strong people what they're hauling around, both in their vehicle and what they're lifting. But this is my point. You made a point about the stones, the walking of the stones, the tricep 
the tendons, how it would stick out like cable, as I like to call everything. And that just goes back to everything we're, we're emphasizing here with biceps, with the head to toe, with the traps, with the, with the lumbar region, especially the erectors. Um, really, the other movements, we, we love it. You know, Bill talks about front squatting, myself. We talk about, obviously, the importance of the rear squat. And um, uh, good mornings, you know, safety squat bar. Because let's face it, that's one of the things Bill talked about when he had his surgery. And he wanted to still be able to at least maintain while he was healing. Now, here's the point, and, I, and I'll ask you, and I'll ask you yay or nay with it. Um, really, all those things you need. But the bottom line is if you really want to become a very, very, very good stone lifter and go over to wherever you want to go and do whatever you want to do, you've got to lift stones. It's very basic, and you and I touched upon this with um, your full Sturker group of young men you're working with now, plus your son. Um, the whole th- the whole point of the matter is to get very, very good, you've got to do the things that you really want to go and succeed with. Go ahead and comment on any of that. Well, the, that's exactly right. I mean, you said Norb Shemansky was asked that, you know, and uh, it, and people thought he was being, uh, mm, he was a he was kind of a gruff guy. I yeah. Think people don't yep. make too much of that, but uh, he uh, actually did say that. Uh, and he said that many times to different people, but his point was, if you want to get good at something, you have to practice it. Yep. People don't. People train and they lift and they work out, but they don't practice. They don't practice weightlifting. Sometimes I'll get an idea and I'll just go out with a bar and just, you know, kind of work through some technical things. Because uh, a lot of times when I'm doing something myself, yep. I'm trying to work through technically. I get lifters that have different sizes and shapes and abilities, and you know, male, female. Young people, older people. Some people are, you know, young people are flexible, but they they lack uh, they lack basic strength. Uh, some, you know, older guys might have more strength. They have some limitations in movement. So I'm kind of working things out now. So I, I you know, you've got to practice getting better. Yep. So the same thing with stones. The only way that you can really get get proficient at doing these things, and and I say that, but even. You know, uh, years ago with strongman, the guys would just get super strong and just go and try it out. Yeah. But then people started actually, uh, you know, uh, getting implements. And John Paul Sigmerson was probably one of the first ones that really uh, trained specifically for competitions. But it, it, if you're going to go lift a stone and carry a stone, uh, it's not disingenuous to do the same because, you know, you can't tell me that uh, Snorri Storrison in, uh, in uh, Iceland – he, he practiced with his stone. He built up to, to carry yeah. that stone. Yeah. That's what you have to do. And, you know, and if you are a stone lifter, I think that, you know, your back and leg strength, people say, how much do I need to squat or how much do I need to deadlift to carry the Hoosfell stone? I mean, that's that's a moot question because I've seen people that can can stiff leg deadlift uh, 600 pounds for reps and they, they, they can, they just can't pick up stones that well. Right. It's a matter of, it's a matter of specific hand strength. You've got to go out and make your hands really, really strong. Mm-hmm. Number one, number one, a stone lifter has to have really strong hands and that's supporting strength. You've got to make the tips of your fingertips, your fingertips, some serious business. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to, and, and then that, uh, and being able to be able to grip really hard. And number two, um, you just got to spend time with the stone, you know, think about what you're doing. How can you, how can you become more experienced with it and just get, and get better at it? You got to practice with it. 
Um, I think that carrying a stone is probably the best overall strength exercise I've ever done. Yeah. Um, I've, I've introduced that concept, stone lifting and stone carrying and sandbag carrying and sandbag lifting to a number of gyms. And the, and the gym owner will call back breathlessly a month later and say, everybody in my gym, their deadlift's going to 50 pounds. I'm yep. Like, and I, one guy said, that's it? You know, I was kind of laughing, but, yeah, uh, as, you know, that's exactly what happens. You know, they, pe- people get, you get stronger in different ways. Yep. And, yep. Uh, but you've got you've to spend specific time with it. And uh, particularly for carrying a stone, uh, when I first started it, you know, uh, people think I'm like Forrest Gump. But, you know, the first time I grabbed <laughs> a ping pong paddle or a stone, I could I could do it. But it it took time and practice. I just had, you know, I got obsessed with it and had patience with it and just kept doing it until I got better at it. And that's exactly what you have to do. You have to spend time with it. Um, hey, well, you know what else, too, Bill? I, I, I always talk about genome and all that. I Look, at, I think weightlifting uh, a bar, uh, a balance bar is great. Um, you're never going to get, I mean, you look at Olympic lifters are the strongest humans walking the earth and they're very athletic, obviously. And anything I've read or talked to people, they can transition to stone lifting very well. But the point of this is this. There are certain things I think since we've been genetically built from the beginning of time, from when the good Lord put us on, on earth, that there is something inherently, like Steve talks about, you've talked about, many others, there's something within us that seems to gravitate to a sandbag or a stone. Maybe not initially, but once you pick it up and if you stay steadfast with it, you start to realize these are things that we've evolved with and we have done prior to you and I even coming into this world. And that's why I think... It doesn't matter what level you want to train at, because I do that with a lot of people that have never really done much in, in the weightlifting world, but they want to start getting in shape. I feed them a light sandbag and tell them, let's pick it up. We're going to go this distance just bear hugging and walking. You start to see this transition into where it's almost like you're looking at somebody opening a Christmas gift for the first time. Eyes get wide. Suddenly, things are changing, even the way they talk, and it's a great thing. And I totally agree with the – you know, folks, if the, if you do one thing with a, with a sandbag, if you've never lifted a stone or a bag, you know, obviously you can reach out to a guy like Bill or myself or anybody on this show. But, you know, at least grab some – I don't care. Maybe if it's even uh, a medicine ball, you, know, you don't have anything. Go take it for a walk. Start doing a timed walk, or maybe you're going to walk 50 feet today a couple times. I guarantee you, your demeanor towards everything will change. Go ahead, Bill, take it. Well, I agree with you. That the uh, There's a, a, a very fundamental idea behind stone lifting, because people see a barbell, and, you know, uh, you know, if I put on a certain number of plates, and you put on a certain number of plates, it's still roughly the same size. And, and, you know, and let's talk about it. You know, you're talking, you keep mentioning Steve Jack and he yep. admit, he's, he's written that, you know, that, that a barbell is, is ergodynamically made, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's got knurling, it's got rotating collars, it's got special discs, uh, and it's because it's been made to be lifted, but a stone's not made to be lifted. It's actually defiant. The stone yep. will fight you and it's, it's completely impervious to your idea that you're going to lift it. There's balance involved. There's uh, there's different grips, different smoothness and, and textures, and so you have to overcome all those different variables to actually be able to do it. And if you're outside on grass, 
you know, the grass itself can be either wet, slick, mushy ground, uneven ground. There's all kinds of variables that are introduced there. And that's the idea behind athletic training. So uh, there was a, I was a young man who was a wrestler, and I got him on the sandbags and stone lifting. And he improved quite a bit because he just said, you know, I can just, I can just manhandle guys. Yeah. I'm like, that's because you've become fundamentally strong. Um, I think of, uh, I think, uh, Greek and Bulgarian, uh, um, wrestlers still train with stones. Sure. Um, and, and sandbags at the very least. And everybody's seen the Bulgarian sandbags that they use. They're very, they're very popular because it's an awkward object and it really helps, it helps people become stronger in different ways. So I think the other fundamental thing is that, um, you know, this is getting a little, you know, uh, I don't want to say esoteric, but this is sort of the, the, the spiritual side behind stone lifting is that, you know, uh, all the matter in our universe is coalesced in different places. So basically, we're just made of stardust. Yep. It's just the organization that's that's placed in it. We have we have genes that then make proteins and then all that matter is made into a human being. But a stone is part of is part of our natural earth. And that's one of the things I like about a place like Scotland or or uh, or uh, Iceland or even here in New Hampshire that these these stones are just on the ground and we as we as stardust and and the, the object of stardust we can actually lift them. Yep. So our our very our very planet helps us become become stronger. You know you can actually use and um, you know I've I've spent money for concrete and and uh, and, and and Slater molds yep. to make those to make uh, balls, but as far as uh, a natural stone, I've never paid a nickel. Right, you know, I'll find them in a riverbed or out somewhere. Or half the stones I have are the ones that were dug up when we were building parts of the house. You know, you know, new uh, one of the best stones I have actually came right out of the ground. We were putting in our uh, putting in our extension off the back of our house. Okay, yep, and, it's, and that's just that's just that happens all the time. I just find these stones all over the place. Um, and that's another piece that's alluring to it. People can relate to it. Yeah. You drive, you drive by or see a stone and you say, I do, you know, I say, wow, I wonder if I can lift that or, yeah, you know, and, and, uh, and, and people can relate to that. They're much more, I've, I've, I've heard, uh, I've done these, uh, um, demonstrations, kind of straw man demonstrations for different, uh, school groups and festivals and, um, you know, police night out in August and that kind of thing. And, Lifting stones, you know, because you'll get people who just, they just walk up and they're like, "That's impossible." Yeah, that's impossible. Uh, so, I think I think I'd rather be able to be functionally strong than have people walk up and say, "Wow, you look really strong." You know, <laughs> yeah, because the the attention that people get, you know, uh, past a past a teenage boy or young, you know, a guy that's like twenty years old, um, you're not really impressing people, you no. know, no. Uh, with with the big biceps, you, 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 you might, I mean, you know, uh, you see half Thor in a t-shirt uh, or a tank shirt. You're like, wow, you know, yeah. there's, there's an anatomic difference between me and him. Right. Uh, but he has, you know, but it's, but I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, being strong, there was a, there was a strong man years ago. He competed at Fortissimus and I'm kind of blanking on his name right now. I think he was, uh, he was, uh, from Latvia and, uh, or Est- Estonia, but, this guy had these massive hands and forearms mm-hmm. and this really huge traps and lumbars, but he wasn't shaped. He just, you just didn't look at him and think, you know, wow, that guy looks like Superman. Um, and 
this guy was just always right in the middle of like top level strongman competitions because he was really strong. Yeah. You know, you didn't see him and say, wow, I wish I looked like him. I don't <laughs> think anybody did. No, right. You no, know, he, he was very blocky, but he was just, he, he was super strong. And I, and, you know, and, and, um, uh, he always showed you pictures of his kids and he was just a dad who worked, you know, who worked a really hard job. And, and that's who, that's who I appreciate, you know, when I see people that are actually strong. Yeah. Well, so you that's, know, go that's ahead. who we're talking about. That's who we're talking about. Yeah. Um, well, the next thing I want to do, because I know we're getting near time, and, you know, um, it's funny. You must be thinking like me today because I'm going to read the uh, – I've been reading, you know, uh, a lot of things uh, that Steve Jack wrote. It's just uh, honoring him among other people here. And before we get done, I'm going to read The Choice, and that's out of Milo, July 1994, Volume 2, Number 2. And Bill made the statement of the stone on the side of the road. We all want to stop and lift it. And I'm going to read that, and it's going to coincide totally with what Bill just said. But, Bill, let's talk about we have pretty much given a lot of information about how to work the bicep, and we know the importance from the elbow down and to have those big catcher mitts, Wrists, obviously, forearms, but the importance of the fingers. Let's talk about just a few movements they can do, because I know in past shows, you and I both love doing bent rows with stones. But let's give everybody, you know, let's talk about your gang, the powerlifters. You know, we know that you've got them all over the map and broadening them out. Obviously, middle of the road. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of these guys that are at the top of the top level will still have their ears open to this. Let's talk about a few real quality movements we can do to alleviate or at least minimize bicep tears. Well, uh, number one, make your hands stronger if you're a stone lifter or any other athlete so that you don't, you're not tempted to overcome a weight with your bicep. Mm-hmm. So if you've got strong hands and forearms and you and you can touch something with confidence, that's, that's number one. As far as just movements to do, you, like you said, the, uh, the uh, bent over rows with uh, the stones, mm-hmm. I still live by the same rules. Yeah. I actually do them one at a time. I, I don't let this, I let the stone down slowly and then I drop it and then reposition so that I can start with the extended arms. Yep. So because I think turning a weight around with a bent arm is a, is a mistake. And um, I do like bent over rows with a barbell. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about stone lifting and, and superior to, to barbells. You put enough uh, plates on a barbell, it's hard. Li- it's hard to lift, and, mm-hmm. I, and, the, and the barbell is still the most ingenious thing ever to make you strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I, I'd say that you know, good bent over rows. And I don't do the. I don't keep my back perfectly flat and just kind of bent and just reach down and sort of stays very static. I sort of put them a little. I pull the bar off the ground about six inches, mm-hmm. and I and I pull the bar back more towards my waist instead of my chest. Yep. Because I'm really trying to hit the middle of my back, and you want to talk about making your your upper arm and upper body thick. That pulling movement itself, when the off season one with the powerlifters I have, I really get them. I'll even have them, you know, I'll have them use, you know, pull it in the first sets without straps, and I'll even have them put on straps just to. It's okay, you know, with an yeah. double hand grip. Yeah. To use some straps to pull back, uh, 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 on, you know, towards your, uh, towards yeah. your waist with yep. the, with the, uh, and I stand up a little. Yeah. I get my, I get my erectors and my glutes involved a little bit because I'm just trying to get strong to lift a stone. I'm not trying to look like something, you know, somebody, uh, in a, in a magazine. Right. 
And then, and then on, along those lines, uh, uh, barbell high pulls are a great exercise. You do barbell high pulls from the floor, particularly without straps. Mm-hmm. You are you you can lift a stone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Trust me, trust me. I mean, that is a great exercise, and it's something. It's one that people aren't really into today. You're talking about Serge Redding. There's something called the Serge uh, high pull, which basically he wouldn't. He would uh, he would pull the bar. From the floor, mm-hmm. get it to his waist, and accelerate the bar, and keep his arms straight. Oof. And then, and then, and then, uh, and then shrug his and do a complete shrug and get up on his toes. So what that would do is actually activate all those muscles, short of then you know bending the arm and pulling back. Mm-hmm. Um, you, people, you're going to laugh at me again. Um, you know, people might laugh at this. Uh, if you do when you do heavy deadlifts, yeah, your arms will get thicker. Absolutely. Yeah. Your arms, your hands are hanging onto this heavy barbell. Yep. And even your triceps will get bigger. Notice how your, your, the muscles in your hands, your, in your forearms and, and biceps and triceps. Look at a picture of somebody pulling a big weight. Anatomically, that's some of the most extreme, uh, uh, pictures you'll see of people's upper body musculature when they're deadlifting a heavy weight. Yep. Everything is activated. And your body, as a as an organism, is trying to overcome this 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 extra, this this barbell, um, you know, because everyone talks about the one of the best overall uh, body power exercises or tests is actually the deadlift itself. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. So heavy deadlifts will do the same thing. Um, if you want to talk about you know sort of you know the bicep movement, I described the Magnus you know the Magnus for Magnuson curl. Sure. Instead of a hammer curl, you turn your arm. Uh, with your palm facing you, and you sort of try to touch your chin with the end of the, the with the uh, top the top head of a dumbbell, mm-hmm. and you alternate arms like that. And that's a very good exercise because it keeps you anatomically in a sound place, and it does work the biceps some, but it also works the the the, uh, the brachialis, which actually is much stronger. The brachioradialis is is much stronger in in uh, bending the arm than the in the than the biceps is. <laughs> what, what is your what is your feeling though too? Do you still a big believer in doing a, a good strict standing barbell curl? I was going to get to that. Oh, sorry. Well, all right. Okay. Yeah, if you're going to if you're going to do that, and I would say people like to use the the uh, easy curl bar. I've got an easy curl bar. Nobody with a gym hardly doesn't have an easy curl bar. Right. And I've done my share of them, but I think a, a straight barbell will do two things. Um, it'll allow, it'll allow the, uh, the biceps, uh, tendon to have a little more flexibility. Yep. And it also will, it'll also, uh, meter the weight a little bit. You're not going to just pile weights on. You got It's, it's a little harder to do. But what I would recommend is instead of keeping your hands close together with a straight, uh, barbell is to put your hands out a little bit. That's anatomically a little better for you. Number two, make sure you go all the way down to a fully extended position. Correct. All the way down. Don't do this kind of partial yanking that you see. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then, like you said, strict. Yeah. Um, uh, I there's a there's a guy that uh, I used to train with years ago, and um, um, and uh, and he was an Olympic lifter, but he just had big biceps. Yep. You know, uh, and then I found out later he was he, he was a stonemason. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not, not a bricklayer, but a stonemason, and so uh, he you know helped build a lot of universities and libraries and travel all around North Carolina doing this kind of work. And, um, and so, uh, but I remember once we were, we had just lifted and, and there were some guys over in a, you know, uh, you know, trying to do a straight arm uh, curl with 185 pounds and they were cheating and yanking and doing all this stuff. 
and Bobby walked over. <laughs> he, he was a, I think he was a 220 pound lifter. Yep. He walked over and picked this thing up and just as strict as night and day. Yeah. He, he without a warm up, we just finished doing cleaning jerks. He curled this barbell and put it down, and these guys were stunned. Yeah. You know. Yep. And I said that's because he's actually really strong. You know, he's not he's not expending all his all his energy pouring himself into a bicep yeah. exercise routine. He's actually trying to get strong, and that's the point. You know, you can do a million exercises on the bicep. And they might peak a little more in all this isolation idea, but to the guys that really have big biceps and have strong arms have lifted a lot of really heavy weight. Yep. So, so what happens is they get your your biceps and your forearms and your up your whole upper body gets caught in the backdraft of you trying to lift a heavy weight with your back and your traps and your hips and your legs and all those those prime movers, your abdominal muscles, all those really strong prime movers. So in the backdraft, you'll have pretty impressive arms. Oh yeah, people and you, always people always say to me like, "Man, you got big arms. What do you do?" I'm like, uh, I, I, "I carry stones. I yeah. lift heavy weights." And they're like, "But but what do you do for your biceps?" And I said, um, I, I, "Once every week or two, I'll grab a pair of seventy-five, ninety-five, or ninety-pound or hundred-pound dumbbells and do these. I describe a set of five to eight reps. Yeah. Yep. How many sets? Oh, one, one set." <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's impossible. I'm like, well, you asked me. Yeah. Well, did you genetically, you know, that's the way you are. Oh, uh, here you we go. Take, yep. You must take drugs and all, all this yep. kind of stuff. Yep. Like, yep. You're, you're smarter than me. You know, I'm not superhuman. I, I do have a penchant for this kind of thing, but um, trust me, you you can get stronger and and look look better and protect your your protect your little biceps if you do those exercises with a lot of weight and do them correctly. Yeah, there's um, you're always there's so much self doubt out there. I, it's just amazing, and we could do a hundred shows on that. But I just want to tell you a few of things I do that I've been really hitting the mark on, and I'm doing a lot of it with isometrics in the rack and this. But I'll tell you this: something I found for bicep work, two things. If you have an old one inch, I have an old one inch circa, I don't know what year it was, a York bar, the standard one inch bar. What I found is, and it's really made a difference in my bicep training is, the bar is short obviously, so when you're a big person, it really doesn't matter, but when you've built your back and you've got the big lats, what you can do is load this bar up and you're in such a good position where you can literally dig your elbows into your lats and do nice, strict, bottom-to-top barbell curls. That's something everybody should look into. Secondly, another thing I like to do, <clears throat> excuse me, I like to start at a certain position, usually at the bottom, in the power rack off a set of rods, have another set of rods at a certain position, a lot of times I'll do it in a very light fashion to a point. Um, and Bill and I were talking about, obviously, your hands, your fingers, everything. And I'll take in a pollen axle and pull it up to that other set of rods, do a light hold, come down. I usually don't do any more than ones or threes. I've never, I'm not a guy that's going to do 10 or 20 reps with something like that. And obviously, if I'm going to do two, to, two rounds, that's usually what I do. I'll take the last round, bring it up, and hold it for an isometric hold, put it down, we're done with that. Another routine that I've had incredible results with, and this comes from reading a lot of the old Perry Raider Iron Man, and as everyone knows, John McKean and I are doing a Middies Power Rack uh, 
um, build up right now that's incredible. Um, I've been doing, you can do it any way you want. I usually use the buffalo bar because I've got super mobility through my uh, shoulder girdle from doing so many things. It's really straightened things out so I don't have to use a safety squat bar. Um, I'll do at, I, I, I'll go parallel, okay, when I bend over. You don't need to go anywhere below that. And I'll do good mornings where I set the other set of rods four inches above and I'll come up and I won't hold it, but I'll come up, tap it lightly, go back down. If I'm going to do one or two reps with it on the second one, that'll be the first round. I go to one more round, whatever my max is going to be for that day. I'll come off the beginning set of parallel rods, come up to the next set, and do my hold with it, put it down. That's one thing. Then a thing I learned years ago in an old article I read, they were talking, Bill Bill really made... um. Bill made comment to this with the way they were doing their bent rows. Very similar in some ways. I can do it off the floor or I set a certain pattern in the power rack where I'm not getting any leverage. And that's the whole point of this middies thing, to train your body how to build yourself in a way you don't need to have any type of bounce or be in a perfect position to pull a bar, squat a bar, or press a bar. So I set this in the rack or off the floor, but normally in the rack it might be mid or below shin, and then I'll have it right below kneecap. So the thing was, was to do a close grip bent row. Now, my hands are probably, I'm on the smooth part of the neural unless I'm using one of my bars that have center knurling, but I won't do that. And everything I do is like what Bill is talking about, overhand. No underhand with anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Even if it's a deadlift, I use a trap bar because we didn't even get into supination, but how good that is to really protect your biceps, especially if you had surgery and a tear. That's another show. Um but what I'll do is I'll get in that position and I'll take it and pull it up against the rods, put it down, add another big set of weights to it. If I need straps, I'll use them. I don't care. I'm not ashamed of that. Take it and you'll pull that thing against those rods and you'll know if you're working it correctly because you'll feel a pretty good pinch in the middle of your back. So that's the next thing. And obviously, I'm a big believer in glued ham. And if you look, that's touching everything. The erectors are getting just magnified when you're doing that. Um, glued ham, uh, if it's lagged down, you know, use a bar behind your neck if you got somebody there. I can do things with um, bands, which really, really stress the back. But if you want to just go there and blow massive amounts of blood through it and see how great you feel. Go ahead, Bill, comment on any of that. But I've had a ton of success with this and more to come. I've got uh, I've got a rope that I've got a uh, three inch Manila rope that hangs that I've thrown over and kind of knotted up over uh, one of the rafters in my garage. Yeah, um, and I do chin ups with you know with uh, with one end of the rope in each hand. So it's a three inch Manila rope. So do try that. Put, yeah. Put a put a three inch Manila rope in each hand, and I weigh about two seventy five. Yep. And you know do pull ups. You want to talk about really <laughs> activating your biceps. Yep. You know, pull-ups in general is a good exercise. Um, another one I do is that I put, uh, I'll take a, um, I've got a four by four and I put it over the top of my power rack. I reach over, I, I reach over, reach up and grab the top of it. Yeah. And pull-ups with that. That's you vicious. Talk, you want to talk about making your fingers and your fingertips strong. And then I've, I got to where I was working where only my fingertips were act, were, were on the edge of the uh, four by four. Mm. I, 
I, I used to have a two by I used to have a two by two, but I snapped that one. <laughs> that that uh, trust me, that's not something to do. A four by four is plenty strong. Oh yeah, actually gave me a little more uh, gave me a little more grip. Or a six by six, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yep. You know, a four by four, or six by six, something like that. That's strong enough to hold your body weight in that way, and um, that really works your fingertips. And then when you when you start to pull up, your biceps are just in this just in a different position. Yep. Um, I, I can't say that I, I, I think I did a set of, uh, dumbbell curls a month ago and I've got a beautiful little exercise bar I got from uh, John Wood, that Sutherland bar. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's a beautiful little bar. And sometimes I'll do some, uh, I've got some 50 pound standard plates. I love that, that setup. I just absolutely love it. I feel like I'm, I've been shot back a hundred years when I'm training with those, you know, with an exercise bar like. I'm that. with you. Yep. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do a few. I'll do. I'll do some curls with that, just because. One, it takes me back to you know nostalgic times of uh, you know when you're a teenager trying to get bigger. But two, it's just a it's just a good exercise. But again, it's, you know, full length exercising. I do know that people do isometric exercises for biceps, and that's from the '60s. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, the isometric wraps, uh, racks were just York's cover up for the actual steroid boom. Yeah. Which was partly, but actually isometric exercises are fantastic. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I don't think it should be an exclusive tool, but it can be helpful. Um, so I, I think that there are some, there's some benefits from, from that as well. Uh, but I think the main thing you're going to do is just do heavy back work. I agree. Just heavy back work. You get a strong back, your biceps will, will get pulled right into it yeah you, you need, but but also to work your work your grip or your hands are super strong so that you can actually i've seen kids like uh they'll use straps for everything yeah yeah so they never develop their they never develop their grip and then when they actually need it they don't have it no nah. so I, I would say straps are for even if you're warming up with a bent over row or or a shrug or another exercise save the straps for the top weight well, go ahead, yeah. Go ahead and work your grip. Yep. You know, um, and and that's that's always a good thing. That's always a very good thing. You know, uh, and so really develop your your uh, your your grip. People are always looking for special grip exercises. Here's one. Uh, either with a straight bar or a buffalo bar, do one hand deadlifts. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'll make your hands really strong. When, and then that'll help you with your that'll help you with the heavy back work that you're going to be doing, so that you don't overact. You don't depend on a yank with the bicep. Well, yeah, and you hit it right with that that one arm deadlift. That was there's three exercises that Stevie Shank said here the other day, Bill, and it was uh, his father. He put it right out. He said the movement his father went to all the time to become a great stone lifter with the Dinnies was he did the one arm. It'd be Olympic bar, or if you do have access to a Buffalo bar, deadlift. And then it was the hack and the Jefferson lift that he, that Stevie uses exclusively. And just one other thing, and I'll get back to you, is this. If you haven't listened to that show, you need to go out and listen to what he's doing with all these Atlas stones he just purchased. Um, you're going to be amazed. Um, I, I don't know how much more he's going to be into the Denny Stones as far as him lifting them because he's done so much with them, but he'll, he won't rule that out. Wait till you see what he's going to be doing. He'll be back training them very shortly. Him and Heather, I think, went away. Um, wait till you see what he's going to do this summer. It'll blow your mind, and I have no doubt that he will get everything he set out to do. So once again, you know, 
we're talking about lifting things, stones that are going to be very relevant to what you want to do in the future. And I'll tell you one thing, one of the big things, because he only lapped the Inveri, he wasn't very happy about it. So this is going to go into exclu- exclusively into going after the inner Inver among other stones. Go ahead and take it. Well, the uh, as far as uh, Stevie's father, Jack Shanks, so we're talking about Milo. I wrote an article about Jack about, I think, 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, I can't remember which issue it is. Okay. But Jack sent me these pictures um, that are just mind-boggling. If you have, if you get Milo, look at these pictures. Uh, one of the pictures is Jack with a, with a two 450-pound concrete blocks of rings on them he's lifting. Mm-hmm. And, he weighed, and he weighed about 190 pounds, he told me then. He's also uh, lift. He's doing a one-handed deadlift, I believe, with four fifty-five. He's hook gripping it, but it's he weighs about one ninety, and he's he's hook gripping this this barbell with four fifty on it. And another one that's just just the best picture in the world. He's in front of a police. He was a policeman, right? He's in front of a police station in Belfast in the nineteen seventies, back when they had the troubles, as they called them. Um, you know all the all the uh, riots, riots in and Belfast. Yep. yep. And, and he's lifting two cars, one in each hand. Yeah. And he's actually got a girl on one of them <laughs> sitting on top of a car in front of the, and, and that basically was, that was actually published in a local paper just to tell the crooks, you know, yeah. Hey, our cops are pretty serious here. This guy's picking up two cars. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to see this picture. It's just so priceless. And I tell people that and they're like, that's a joke. I'm like, it is a joke, but it's real. So yeah. you got to see the pictures. Yeah. They're not doctored in any way. I mean, they're, they're fairly small cars, but. He's lifting on a car one yeah. with each hand off the you know from the, off the back tires and um, it's that's pretty impressive. Even threw a girl up on one on top of one. So we talk about just pure lifting strength and power. Uh, Jack Shanks was he, he actually told me he did a, the uh, hack squat from the floor with six hundred pounds. Oof. Partial Jefferson lifts. Partial Jefferson lifts with nine hundred pounds. Yep. Yep. Uh, so he's and I, there's, I, there's pictures of that in this uh, in the article as well. Um, this is before they went to the larger format with the bigger pages. So, so the this pictures are fairly small, but I mean he's you know it, Jack Jack was a real thing and did a lot. So that creativity and that uh, and that drive to to lift awkward objects and different ways has definitely been transferred to stevie and stevie can do it oh without a doubt and remember everybody stevie was in his 50s when he started doing this yeah that, that, that's even more amazing bill yeah that's the apple falling not falling yeah. far from the tree right there and uh I, I do have to say that you know if you're ever around stevie he's just an enthusiastic great guy yeah if, if you're around stevie shanks and you leave without a smile on your face uh you I, I I just question you as a person because this guy's awesome. Hey, you know what I want? Yeah, yeah what I want to ask you. So, you, are you thinking this article you wrote was probably in the smaller book version of Milo, maybe around two thousand seven? Uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah, so All right, because well, I know what I'm going to be doing this afternoon because I've got every Milo from the very beginning. I'm looking at him right now, so I'm going to find that article and we'll put and it's got yeah. It's a, the yeah, prettiest. it was several pages and with a lot of fantastic pictures. Out. Okay, well, we'll make mention of that in the next show we do on Monday. Um, what else, Bill? Anything else? Um, as far as things coming up, uh, like I said, I'm you know uh, I've got my powerlifting team. We're doing USAPL uh, 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 powerlifting because it, it's drug tested and, it, and it's uh, 
um, you know, regulation squat depth, basically. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm not saying anything about what anybody else does. I'm just saying I'm, I'm being pro USAPL. Yep. USA powerlifting. Um, and uh, there's a lot of energy out there. A lot of people getting stronger. Um, after this meet in a couple of weeks, two weeks from the day, actually, we're going to get back to what I would call off-season trainings. We're going to we're going to expand the number of lifts and the volume that we're doing again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, the uh, Arnold uh, uh, Sports Festival um, is the first weekend in uh, March in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, I'm helping with the indoor Highland Games again. It's the second year we've done them indoors. We did it two years outdoors, but. Columbus, Ohio outdoors and the first weekend of March is not exactly a balmy time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's, uh, pretty cold there obviously. And, and it can be snowy as well, but, uh, we're doing it indoors now. We've augmented a lot of the, the, the uh, the implements and rogue has been great because they've made specialized bags that they can throw. Um, and, and, uh, we, we've modified the caber toss and, it's fantastic, and uh, uh, Rob McKeeman is the is the uh, contact there, and Steve Conway and I uh, help with him, and then run we run the professional competition. So they have uh, women, amateurs, uh, masters, and they they screen them. So this is a very high level competition at the indoor venue, doing Highland Games. We've modified the event so that you know not a lot of far throws, but it's with the heavier implements. And then we also have five professionals that will throw on Saturday. Wow. So that's what we're doing next uh, as, as far as uh, any sort of Highland Games or anything I'm associated with. I'm also uh, help run the record breakers on Sunday mm-hmm. at the Arnold Classic, which means, uh, you know, half to trying to – I'm hoping he I'm – th- I'm hoping he does – he's the first guy to officially break the magical 20-foot mark. Wow. This weight over bar, the 56-pound weight over bar. And um, and they have things like uh, um, stone lifting. Um uh, you know, or, you know, a special stone thing, uh, or press overhead. So, and they, they like to keep those a little bit secret. So, <laughs> um, so that they can actually expose them. And I think, uh, they, they're, they're going to roll out some, there'll be some interesting things that you'll be very interested in, in the competition phase this year as well. I've been involved nice. with that. I really can't talk about it, but, um, it's really going to, it's really going to work out well. Um, did I, uh, I didn't talk to you about what we did at the uh, New Hampshire Highland Games this past year, did I? No. We had Steve Schmidt come and he faced up against Half Thor. Yep. Uh, in a special stone pressing contest, I had uh, I had dressed granite blocks made. Uh, uh, Swenson Granite, who's a, a big uh, uh, granite company here in, in uh, Concord, New Hampshire, uh, donated uh, three um, basically suitcase shaped uh, granite slabs to me. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they're natural stone. It's natural stone, but they were they were you know they were dressed out just to press. But I can tell you, I think they're almost harder than just using a regular natural stone. Mm-hmm. But they pressed a three hundred eight, wow, a three hundred thirty, and a three hundred forty one pound stone. They each did it, so that's the world's record now in the stone press. Unbelievable. So I'm hoping that top level strumming competition uh, starts to turn it on and gets. Uh, they start doing the stone press like they used to, which yep, yep, that's that was that's pretty fantastic stuff as well. Oh yeah, because you and I both know pressing is you know it it it's been moved out of you know we looked at any type of Olympic lifting it's been gone for a long long time and frankly yeah yeah and frankly this too look there's nothing wrong with a bench press if it's done strictly and not a a, a, a massive arch with all kinds of equipment on. I'm all right with that, you know. Oh, yeah. but, bench press is a great exercise. It is. A whole lot of guys have gotten really strong with that. Yep. 
But I'll tell you one thing. When you can clean and press something overhead, I think that's just a sign of a man. I mean that. Well, that, that's what I tell uh, people. You know, uh, they ask. I've had people ask me, "What's the most impressive thing you've ever seen?" And I'd say that'd be uh, in person. It would be more than a big deadlift or anything else, or even top level Olympic lifting. Is watching Zadrunas Saviskas uh, yep. press a weight. Yeah. Unless you've seen him actually do it in person, it's much more impressive than even the weight itself. Because uh, two years ago at the Arnold, the Austrian Oak. It's a 440-pound uh, uh, log that they've made. I think actually it's, it's 205 kilos to 451. Right. I don't think – I think Brian Shaw might have gotten a rep or did not get a rep. No one else got a rep. No, Sadrunas got four reps. Whoa. And, he did, and he didn't use leg thrust. He just tilted his chin back and pressed it. Unreal. So that might be a conversation we have at some point. Sure. About pressing because actually I got some uh, – uh, Sadrunas gave me some special exercises that he used to to uh, get to work on his pressing power. Oh, I'd uh, love to do that. That'd be and great. And I, I don't. I, I'm pretty certain that most people have never heard of, and you might not even believe what I will tell you what he what he does and how he's done it and with how much weight. But that that I've tried it myself, and that kind of stuff works. <laughs> That'd be great because what I was thinking about when we we're just going all over this, doing this show. Um, I was thinking in my mind, stabilizers, you know, how are we going to build stabilizers to do such and such? And that would definitely fall right into it. What else you got, Bill? That's about it. I think, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, working on stabilizers and uh, overhead press is something that I've, I've got my power lifters uh, working on because I think it does transfer into bench press. And I'm old, I'm old fashioned. I think you should be an all around lifter, even if you specialize in, Olympic lifting or uh, powerlifting. I know when I was an Olympic lifter, uh, we would show up and Jack's teams always, we looked like weightlifters. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we had, because he would make us do deadlifts and really heavy squats and heavy, you know, strict pressing overhead. And um, and uh, we were quite good Olympic lifters too, national champions. Uh, some of the guys would come through, like Lee James was the silver medalist in 1976 mm-hmm. in the 90-kilo class, only defeated by the great uh, David Riggert. Oof. But we look like lifters. Yeah. You know, and so I, I, even the powerlifters, I want them to learn how to proficient at a snatch. Yep. And, and it's particularly a, a clean and press. I think Marty Gallagher says that's the fourth basic exercise. Mm-hmm. The three mm-hmm. powerlifts and the clean and press. I agree with that with 1,000% wholeheartedness. Mm-hmm. I think if you're good at a clean and press, that, that then that speaks volumes about your ability as a as an athlete and as a lifter, not just being strong, but also being an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you one thing: um, the gentleman that you are uh, managing and teaching and all that. I don't know if they thought about it yet, but we all do down the road. There's just some people you're very lucky you stumble upon, and you know I I think what you're doing is incredible because as we said in the last show. It's not somewhat, it's, yeah, giving back, I understand totally, and we should all do that. That's an important thing. But when you can impress upon someone younger than you, what, whether they keep weightlifting their whole life or not, what you're teaching them right now is definitely going to go across the gambit in everything they do because, as I say, there will be many times I'll just even think back to something my father said to me as a young boy that you have a set of standards that you live by and as they get older bill um you know you're producing men there 
And that that's a great thing, and I commend you on that, without a doubt. It's, well, I know when uh, in in my life that what I've done has been a product of my my uh, training with weights. I played a lot of football, rugby, I'm with wrestle, you. all those other sports. But yep. um, when it when I was uh, applying myself to have the discipline to study and do well in in, uh, in college and in medical school, mm-hmm. you know, for my profession, um, I actually did you know, all those things, uh, to apply myself, to learn how to snatch a heavy weight or clean and jerk a heavy weight. I just constantly went back to that. Yeah. Yeah. The setup, the setup of a big snatch is like a, it looks simple, but it's a, it's a, it's a universe of variables yeah. where you put feet, where you apply the pressure, uh, you know, and then actually learning how to catch the bar, pull the bar effectively. If you get to where you can snatch a heavy weight, um, You've you've done something, then you've gone into some details to learn something that will that can carry over to the rest of your life. I agree. Like my my discipline to you know with stone lifting and and getting getting proficient with stones, that actually then it just it's another way to transfer into that. And as far as character, that's what I'm trying to do is show young men that you know you don't have to run around and try to impress people. Right. You can be you can be a solid citizen. You can be, you can work hard at your job. And these kind of things reverberate. And I say things like this, you know, you, um, if you're, if you're married, if you've, you know, you've got a committed relationship with someone, this will, this will help you be a better, you know, boyfriend or fiance or husband or whatever you're doing because you're going to, you're going to use those basic tenets of, of character yep. to flow into those kind of things. This will touch in all parts of your life. Yep. You're better, you're a better person than cheating on your spouse. Right. I, right. And I, I say those kind of things, and they look at me like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yes." Yeah. You're going because the young man that I've been training, TJ, you know, he's getting married this this year. Right. And um, and you know, I said, you know, this is this is going to help you be a better husband mm-hmm. and a better father. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Wow, okay." <laughs> yeah. We'll see. <laughs> no, it, but it, you and I both know it will. It will. It will. Yep. But yeah. um. You know, it's just very important to leave your mark. And and speaking of that, we're gonna I'm gonna do two things before we get off the air. Obviously, Bill, is there a website? Anything you'd like to give out before I take over here? Uh, you can go to N8 Scott and look up the New Hampshire Highland Games. But other than that, I personally don't have websites, and I stay away from social media myself. Okay, that's fine. Um, and uh, you know, I I just you know I write for Milo. Um, yep. and that's that's really and I talk on your show and I see people in person. That's yeah. about it from my standpoint. Well, that's fine because there's a lot of information here and you know when you talk about transference of training, you know, a mutual friend of ours obviously that you've trained and competed and did the road tour with, you know, we know Martin Janzix, he was talking about his new book coming out and once again it's going to teach people how to stand over a stone, hand placement, all these things that we got into here today that um, little things like this that most people, ah, just brood it up. It's not going to happen like that. Maybe you get away with it a few times, but there's going to be stuff then that's just going to set you right down on your knees. So this is all of great importance. Also, too, I want to congratulate our pal Mark Haydock. Uh, if you don't go out, if you're on Facebook, go out and look. Uh, obviously, he's going back. He's got some ideas that he plans on uh, t- taking and doing over with the Dinny Stones. He broke a thousand pound mark yesterday with his practice. As we say, repetition, repetition. Uh, we congratulate Mark on that. A hell of a nice guy. 
But I'm going to read this. This is a little bit longer than the other essays I've been reading by our pal Steve Jack. And um, I, I just feel um, I need to honor him for many reasons right now, and especially for uh, getting me interested in stone. So this is going to be from Milo, July 1994, Volume 2, Number 2. And Bill will really appreciate this because he made mention prior to this article here I'm going to read. It's called The Choice. There's something about a stone, something intrinsically alluring. I've never been able to walk past a stone without trying to lift it or see how far I could throw it or at least silently ponder such efforts if actually attempting them would seriously jeopardize others' perception of my stability. I do, by the way, realize that the more sound members of society have little difficulty driving past or transversing around such challenges. Pity. I see the stone as a challenge, obviously obvious enough, yet I view it in a different light than even the barbell. The barbell is designed to be lifted. The diameter of the bar, the knurled grip, the aerodynamic design of the plates, all these features lend themselves to one ultimate purpose, to be lifted. Certainly, when one throws enough 25-kilo plates on a bar, all the design crap flies right out the window. And I still feel as if I'm... I've accomplished something just deadlifting the type of poundage that Mr. Taranenko rams overhead. No, I'm in no way saying that lifting barbells is easy. The distinction I'd make is the barbells are heavy while stones are defiant. To the prospective lifter, a stone seems to say, I'm not here to be lifted. You have gyms and such to satisfy that need. Now, if you still care to proceed, then be ready to pay. What's more... Should you be blessed enough to triumph over the stone, the only adulation you're likely to receive will come from the local squirrels and millipedes, for most big stones will still will, are still resting obscurely in nature right where God put them. Ultimately, a man is challenged and bettered by facing any task that exceeds his current abilities. Some choose big stones, others drive past or transverse around such challenges pity um we talked about that all through the show biceps but all the other ingredients that are mixed in to make you a success and that's one of them uh this is motivation muscle streaming radio 24 7 go out to fiorellobarbellco.com you've got winners and champions inc and check out our prosperity conscious page too there's going to be more and more about this stuff i'm telling you right now this is taking me to a whole new level and everything more to come, obviously. Um, if there's a show you'd like Bill and I to do, Fiorello Barbell at nightcap.r.com. Um, if you would like, uh, we would definitely love you to write, do write-ups. And we've gotten five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, which is the highest you can get. We thank everybody for that. You know, pass out the show. Push out the show to people that never heard it, especially the younger kids. Etched in Stone for kids we have out on uh, Facebook is getting an awful lot of articles from a lot of people you know. Check that out, obviously. And I'm telling you right now, Bill's doing it. I'm doing it. Everybody, you know, get kids interested. And it doesn't. it's not even so much kids. There's a lot of adults that would love, believe it or not, to carry a, even a 10-pound sandbag for 25 feet. All you got to do is get them interested. You don't have to ram everything down their throat the first time you meet them because you're going to lose them. 
but get people interested. Get them thinking about, well, I want to go out and look at Bill's article 10 years ago about a guy named Jack Shanks. And and even if it's in your mind that you're never going to do it, it's things that inspire, challenge you. Remember that. Also, too, we're on AHA directory. That's A-H-A. You can get M&M 24-7 in your car. Um, also, too, if someone seeks you out in the gym or the concrete jungle, five words of inspiration can change your mind forever. Remember that. As my mom said when we were kids, never be afraid to say hello to someone or give them a smile. That might be all they get that day. If you're going to lift it, bend it, break it, twist it, press it, pull it, squat it. If you're going to lift stones, turn them into dust. And as the great Hoose of Steel Stone Crusher says in Blood Red, domination we are domination we clear cut the path we don't follow anyone's dominate obliterate and dent everything in your path and as russell fur says who's been listening to eminem from the beginning when i hear your shows and listen to them i swear there's testosterone coming out of my speakers that's always going to be the way it is here you know you can be a hell of a good man or woman but when you get down into that 20 below gym or you've got a bar sticking to your throat, you know what? That's when you drop the hammer. And that's what happens. This is how you build from the inside out. And this is why when I talk about prosperity, the the stuff I am going to be putting out, I am going to give you a different perspective even than a Tony Robbins. I am going to teach you from the inside of that small garage with that 95-foot driveway how I've done the things I've done. And I'm telling you right now, I've done some pretty special things, and I've never told many people about it or asked for asked for any type of applause because I believe, like my chiropractor used to call me, be silent strength. It's much better that way. Teach, be silent. Also, too, um, no, uh, I'm trying to think the next. Oh, Frank Klein, my greatest college professor, he would say, repetition, repetition, repetition. Um, quitters never win and winners never quit. My dad, be a leader, not a follower. Be a leader, not a follower. John Ridge, the greatest chiropractor ever. We lost three years ago to cancer. He'd walk every patient to the door and say, keep smiling. Say that to yourself on your best or worst day or just keep walking around repeating it. Watch the mind shift in your body. Things are going to happen for you. Just walk around. Keep smiling. Be a steward of strength. Don't stand on the side of the road and, walk and, and uh, just wait for things to come. Tell a hundred or more of your friends we're coming because we won't kick your door in. We'll blow the roof off your house. Join the family. Join the revolution. 30 years of one another. We both need each other. I mean that. Les Brown, you all have greatness in you. Well, we take it two steps further. We believe in you and we got your back. And I don't know many people in today's world that would even make a stretch like that. Bill, always an honor, and I'll tell you one thing, this show, you talk about information and content, but you know, I say this, we say it to each other offline, I get this a lot with other people, I gotta tell you, I think this might have been the best show we ever did, not only because it was a a, a great time doing it with you, but the information, and I said this to you before we came on, and I know you were the same mindset, People don't talk about things like biceps. They think, oh, you know what? We'll just pull the thing up. If it works, it works. So thanks for being on, my friend. No problem. Thanks you. Thank you again. Anytime, Bill. So for Bill Crawford, this is Eric Fiorello. We'll have Bill on next month. 
like I always say, life is asking something great from you. Go out and do it. It's very important. Have a great weekend, and we'll have this show up uh, tomorrow. So we will have this up, and today, Dr. William Wong's show will come up, come on where we did a great topic called Crush the Mortals. Uh, have a great week, and do something magnificent, and thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to Motivation & Muscle, the podcast that connected your brain to your brawn. We'll, we'll see, see you next time. time.